Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 36 of Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1492.3 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders, and my goal is to offer you hope and encouragement each week through stories of people that have dedicated their lives to living as a servant leader and honoring God. Because what I know to be true is that when you do that, blessings just naturally follow as a byproduct of that service. Because at the end of the day, all of us are ministers and we are given special gifts by God. And because of that, when we see a need, it is our responsibility and obligation to fill that need in whatever way that we can, because serving is for everyone in all walks of life. Whether you're in the military, in business, a leader in faith, you're a leader in your community, or even something as simple as serving your family. And we've seen that demonstrated week after week by all the guests that have been on this program. And last week I had two really special people on, Colonel Retired Steve Miska and Mr. Robert Boyer. And these two gentlemen talked about the importance of inspiring people by the work that you do and getting past your weaknesses to see what God can do. So if you didn't hear last week's program, I'd encourage you to get on the podcast and listen to that show. It'll really stir your heart. But for this week, let me tell you just a little bit about me that's relevant for the guest today. I started working when I was 13 years old, and my first job was at a place called Cash's Bakery. And so my first guest today is Mr. Sammy Kasha. He's the owner of the award-winning Cash's Bakery. He's been my mentor for a long time, and he's also a pilot. The other thing that's relevant about me for my guest today is that I had a transition out of the military at the age of 41 years old, and that was a very difficult and challenging experience for me. But there are people in this world that really specialize in helping people transition out of the military and to do it well. And one of the people that do that is Mr. Alex Archowski. He's my second guest in the program today. He's a Navy veteran. And he's the founder of GPVN, the Greater Philadelphia Veterans Network. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mr. Stan Kasha. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, Contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1492.3 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Sam Kasha. Sam, you on the line? I'm here. Hey, Sam, well, first of all, thank you for taking the time on your busy Sunday to be on the program here today. I'm glad to be here. 
So Sam, there's a lot of really interesting things in your background that I want to talk to you about, but I think probably the most compelling thing is the bakery and the origin of it and the lineage and all these things that are associated with the family business. Can you share a little bit about that? So uh, my, my grandfather started the business back in 1953 and um, he, he passed away the year before I was born. Uh, my dad, my dad took over when, when he passed, uh, when my, when my uncle, uh, Raymond got to be of age, he, he started to run the bakery. And then in, uh, 2003, my uncle decided to just like run the, the Jersey stores. And I took over running the, uh, the Rittner street, which is the, the original, uh, store. And I've been running, uh, Rittner street caches since 2003. And how many stores are there now, Sam, within the collective cache family? Uh, I believe there's like five. Uh, I want to say, let's see, Hamilton, Audubon, Blackwood, Williamstown. Uh, and I think there's another one down around uh, somewhere in the Audubon area, somewhere down there, but I could be mistaken because I, I don't take care of those. I, I take care of just the Rittner Street one. Okay. But if I'm not mistaken, the family lineage in the Cashew Bakery wasn't just from your grandfather down to you. It extends also down to your son and also the sons and grandchildren of your uncle. Is that right? Yeah. Um, my my cousin Sal and my cousin Raymond, they help out. They take care of the Jersey stores. And my son, who is um, fourth generation, he is helping me with the with the Rittner Street store now and doing very well. So one thing I think is really interesting that the listeners might not know is the schedule that you have to keep in order to be able to serve hot and fresh bread to the community every day. Can you tell us a little bit of what that's like for you? Yeah, we, um, we're like 24 seven operation and we only close Christmas day and new year's day. They're the only two days that were, that were closed. And, um, we, the, the dough comes out of the mixer at like one, one in the morning. And we, you know, we, we make, um, stuff for, for the, that day. And we also have like a, a refrigeration system that we put stuff in to hold uh, product for the next day. Uh, Cause you know, the, the yeast is live. And if you, if you could slow the yeast down, you can keep the product and they're already made ready to go in the oven. So it's a combination of making stuff for that day and making stuff for the next day. And then there's a guy that comes in at eight o'clock at night after the store closes at like six thirty, and then I got somebody that comes in at eight o'clock at night and he starts baking off stuff because we deliver to the to tri-state area, and the drivers like to go out in the middle of the night when there's no traffic, so that they have to have their stuff ready. So he starts baking at eight. They come. I got drivers pick up at twelve midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you know, all different times during the night. And that's why it's a 24-7 operation. But the dedication and the long hours doesn't just apply on 
regular weekdays or even weekends because if i understand correctly your family and your bakery has had a long tradition of cooking thanksgiving turkeys for people for years is that right yeah um we you know we've hit a little bump in the road you know with, with the with the covid but i would say let's see three years ago we did 143 turkeys uh then we did 125 turkeys the year after that. And then with COVID, uh, it went all the way down to 75 turkeys. Wow. So, yeah, it, uh, you know, it is what it is. You, you can't help it. And I, I went home a little early. I wasn't complaining. But that's still 75 people that you cooked a turkey for. Like you were working on your Thanksgiving day to cook 75 people's turkeys. Yeah, I that's all I know. I mean, since I was 12 years old, Thanksgiving morning, I went to the bakery to help cook the turkeys. And, you know, like I said, in 2003, then that became, I became responsible. I was the quarterback, so to speak. And uh, I was in charge of making sure that everybody's Thanksgiving had a, a good turkey. Well, Sam, I, I've known you for quite a long time and you're a pretty smart guy. So I'm really curious of all the things that you could have done and all the talent and the brains that you have. Why did you choose to spend your life in the family business rather than any other line of work? Well, it's I was born into it. It's the only thing that I, that I know. It was just like part of my life. It was all everything having to do with the bakery was part of my life starting from from my my father you know he he had the same dedication as far as like going to the bakery taking care of the bakery I, I just i never knew anything else i i did try like a little bit of this and a little bit of that on the side but nothing was ever going to be able to replace my career in the bakery and also i i like having the freedom to be able to pick and choose when I when I work, when I'm off, like not having to listen to anybody and and not have anybody ab above me, you know, like a lot of the jobs that that people have, you've heard, I'm sure you've heard it time and time again. Oh, I work for this guy and you know, I got to listen to what he says and he don't know what he's talking about. And, you know, like all of this stuff or this guy made me do this and I didn't want to do it. I never had any of those issues because I was always the one giving out all the all the direction you're always the boss it's good to be the boss good to be the boss <laughs> <laughs> well I, I do want to ask you i mean of all the time that you've run the baker you said since 2003 i think is there a time that really sticks out in your mind as like a really special moment of you know wow i get to do this i get to run and own and manage a bakery shop for my family and the community um in in what respect like what what specifically are you just something that's special to you like a, a memorable moment that you look back on and just makes you proud to be a baker to be a part of that family business uh well i do remember uh, there was one like all the way back in 2003 when when i first took the uh the reins over so to speak and uh it was kind of memorable to to sign the first flower contract, because that's that's always a big deal, negotiating how much you pay for flour and having to put your name down there and sign your name to it. And then like you're responsible to pay for it. And if the price goes up or down or whatever, like 
it all falls on me. So that was sort of like a, a moment where I was like, wow, you know, like this is it, you know. Wow, that is really incredible, Sam. And I know that your work at the bakery was not limited to just making bread. I remember during my experience there with you, you also kind of used the bakery as a leadership lab or a, a mentorship lab, if you will. So I'm curious, I mean, was it only for me? I, I, I think given the kind of guy you are, that you've done that for a lot of other people through the years. No, we, we've had a lot of, a lot of guys come through there. Um, and um, the guy that I'm telling you that, that comes in at eight o'clock at night uh, to, to bake, he's, he's been with me since he was a teenager. He, he learned how to be a baker under me um, from way back. Uh, there's another guy, he, uh, he became a, a Philly police officer. And then uh, there's another guy, Lenny, he's still with us too. He, he learned how to be a baker from when he was a teenager and he runs the, uh, the caches in Audubon. Oh, and wow. then, and then there was, um, then there was Vinny. He came when he was a teenager. I taught him how to be a baker. He, he went and opened up his own bakery in Burlington. And, um, that's a long story, but it didn't work out for him. And he actually came back and worked for me for another 10 years. Um, so he, you know, he's another part of the cashew bakery machine too. And I mean, it wasn't just you, it was also your father as part of this mentorship and leadership life, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes more than one person to, to teach somebody what to do. You know, like you, you learn a little bit from everybody and you, you take all the best things and you roll them all into one. Well, Sam, I don't know what it is about you that makes you wired to want to help people in this way, but I want to publicly acknowledge and thank you for what you did for me 30-something years ago when I was a young kid in your bakery shop and the lessons that you taught me. And I remember one time in particular where you had asked me to do something. I came back with some kind of whiny excuse of why I couldn't and I didn't know and I didn't understand and da-da-da. And you were very emphatic and you said, go back, figure it out, and don't come back until you understand and you do what I asked you to do. And if you can't handle that, you need to go work somewhere else. And th that was a really difficult lesson to learn, but it was a really important one. So I really want to thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. And, and I, I was only hard on you because I knew you could handle it. You know, like you get some people come through the bakery and you can only push them so far because they can only handle so much. But I only push people that I know have the 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 wherewithal to be able to to do what i what i ask yeah and i i would kind of think that, that there's going to have been some kind of blessing for you in this process right like you personally you know maybe emotionally or spiritually there's got to have been something that is good coming back to you for the work and the effort and the energy that you're pouring into other people yeah, I mean, I, I just, I like to see young people, I, I like to point young people in the right direction so that this way they, they get a good start because you only, I, I tell my, and I tell my kids this too, there's no dress rehearsal for life. You only get one shot to get it right. And you spend a bunch of years getting it wrong. You can't go back and start over again. You, you got to live with it. And so trying to get kids 
started on on the right foot is just something that appeals to me to to do for as many kids as as I can. And that work of getting kids on the right foot, I mean, I think that you've also done that a lot with your own son and your own daughter. I know that you've put a lot of time and energy and money and effort into helping both of them grow up to be successful young adults now. Yeah, I mean, uh, as far as, as, as they're concerned, I always saw my job as a parent to, to try to find out what they were good at and lead them in that direction. For, for my daughter, she was um, in this, I, I discovered that she was good at singing and dancing and, and acting. So I, I put her in that direction. My, my son, I found out that he was okay at basketball and baseball and stuff like that, but he was absolutely phenomenal when it came to karate. And so I, I put him in that direction. And so that is the number one job of not, well, one of the, one of the important jobs of a parent is to direct your kids into what they're good at so that they can be successful in life. Amen. Well, Sam, we've got about a minute left. So the last thing I want to ask you, you've got a plethora of experience. You're a successful business owner. You're a father. You're a grandfather. What advice would you give to a young person that's just starting out, maybe a young kid that was my age and came in to work with you for the first time at 13? What would you tell them as trying to determine their next steps for a successful life to grow up to be a guy like you? I tell, I would tell kids, the earlier you decide what you want to do with your life, the better off you are. Um, I'm very involved right now with an organization called the EAA at the uh, Cross Keys Airport. And uh, Kasha Bakery has actually sponsored a, um, a scholarship for young kids to learn how to become a pilot. Because in the, in the aviation world, the younger you get started, the, the faster you get to be a, a senior captain. And the faster you get to the big money. So we're trying to provide that opportunity to young kids. And like I said earlier, to, to get them rolling in the right direction from an early age. Sam, that is incredible. I want to thank you so much for not only what you do for the community, but what you've done for your family, what you're doing for young kids, what you've done for me. And most especially for thank you for being on the program here today and sharing your story with all of our listeners. Thanks for having me. All right. When we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mr. Alex Tarchowski. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Freeze this moment a little bit longer. W223CO Atlantic City. Live from the Jacob Media Studios. It's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation 
on News Talk 1492.3 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Alex Archowski. Alex, you on the line? I am. How are you, Paul? I am well. Alex, thank you so very much for taking the time out of your busy Sunday to be here on the program today. It means so much to have you as a guest. Well, thank you for having me on. Well, Alex, listen, you know, looking through your background and having known you for a couple of years, you have a lot of really interesting things in your background. But if I'm reading it right, it seems like a lot of it started for you in the military. Is that a fair statement? It, it, it is. It, I, think, I think I probably grew up in the military. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and so what made you decide to join the military, especially the Navy? Yeah, you know, well, you know, uh, military runs in the family like a lot of people do. Um, and, you know, for my father, he was in the French Navy, believe it or not. No kidding. And I saw him. He was in the reserves. And then when we lived in the United States and immigrated to the United States, so I immigrated here coming from France. So I was French first and became an American at 18 wow. when I was in college. But the, the French Navy ships used to come to Philadelphia to pick up French reserve officers from New York, D.C. and Philadelphia. So I would see him and his involvement with the military. So that played a role. And I love being out at sea, love sailing. So love traveling. And I think it was a good combo and um, all around of just wanting to serve. And so you didn't just do active duty. You did both active duty and reserves. Is that right? That's correct. So why then compulsion to do both? I mean, most people usually do one or the other and they say, okay, I've had my fill, I'm done, I serve my country, but you did both. Yeah, you know, I, I think it was, it's a, it's a great question. So I did active duty um, first and I wanted to still continue some of the fun things. And I realized there were still some fun things to do um, with a with um, a couple of different units, one out of Baltimore, which is more of a, uh, uh, a field unit um, a little bit. And then there was a boat unit out of Annapolis that joined immediately after, which was really just continuing one weekend a month and one week out of the year. And I, I really enjoyed staying connected to it like most people do. Um, and um, so that's, you know, that's how I, I did, you know, probably total of seven, eight years, I guess. Wow. So of all that time, is, is there anything that you learned about servant leadership while you were in the Navy or maybe the job that you did during that time? I think I can speak on behalf of myself of servant leadership is I, I think it's it's at that age is probably learning from a lot of mistakes. OK. And I think I think the military you're thrust on responsibilities at a young age. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you get them all right. <laughs> Absolutely not. I made my fair share of mistakes. Right. So what, what it does, it helps us to understand the similar circumstances in a different flavor and a different view in a civilian world, but we've been through it before. So we can learn from those experiences. So servant leadership is really, you know, for me specifically, is you know um, the mantra of a rescue swimmer is so others may lead may live excuse me um, so others may live so I felt very um, empowered to do the role that I was signed up to do and my responsibility as a servant leader to to make sure that other people's live. So how long were you a search and rescue swimmer and like what made you want to get after that over anything else you could have done in the navy? 
Um, you know, I, I, I was appealed to it because I, I enjoyed swimming. I, I wasn't competing in swimming, but I enjoyed swimming. And I really, really knew that that was at that age where I needed to try something that I was uncomfortable with. And what I mean by that is, you know, I just read something really, really important lately about how we get comfortable. And if we don't learn how to be a little bit uncomfortable at a young age, we'll never learn how to try and take risks, calculate risks. So it, for me, it was totally n not who I am, um, but I really wanted to do it because I, I felt like it was such an amazing responsibility um, and love swimming. Wow. So I, I have to imagine, like, I am not very good at swimming. I could barely stay afloat. And one of the most difficult things for me when I was in the Army as a young cadet was passing that swim test. So you clearly have me beat as a swimmer. But I'm wondering, was there something really difficult that you had to do as a search and rescue swimmer that, like, you look back and you're like, man, that was a really traumatic moment. I can't believe that I went through that. No, I think the military, you know, it depends on the instructors in front of you, the mentors, the leaders in front of you. Um, and I think at that point, you know, special forces is its own area. So this is not even close to it. This is just a different form of um, how you can train your body and your mind together to perform, um, to do a duty. Right. So at that point, I never was tested like that. So it wasn't necessarily the swim. It was the the way that the instructors communicate of how you want to quit. Okay. And they're telling you to quit. Really? And so because you can believe them and that's how they get people to quit. Wow. So they, they, they only trained everybody once everybody quit. Wow. If that makes sense. It, it's very unique. They can't train everybody at the beginning. Yeah. It's a waste of time. Their job is to filter out everybody that's not good. And so how and long was this process of them trying to wash people out? Pretty much the first two weeks. Wow. Two weeks of people first, just trying to get in your face and get you to quit and you stuck with it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's simple things, you know, it's like I said, there's, there's people that are, you know, I believe them. They're like, Hey, don't you want to be home with a home cooked meal? And I was like, I do, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it, it's just things that you start, you know, what happens if you train your mind to believe that stuff, then you said, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do it. And yeah. they can see it in your eyes and they can see it in your behavior. Wow. So it's not about your athletic ability. It's about your mind. If your mind gives up, it doesn't matter how good, you know, we had division one swimmers, right. And their mind wasn't locked in to that type of behavior. Yeah. Right. So they can't perform when you're mentally um, being crushed. And, and, and this is a very small dose of what special forces go through. But if your mind is not, um, stable enough to, to have the confidence to perform, then you quit or you believe that you can't do it. And it just spirals down. So, um, they're seeking just a little bit of blood just to jump on you. <laughs> <laughs> like sharks in the water. Sharks in the water. So, so, it resonates well with the world today because everybody can come and try to come after you. There's naysayers, there's business. Everybody's trying to take you down, not personally or professionally, but they're there just to kind of say you can't. So that, that is probably the most profound thing I found of may, if you can accomplish anything, then you can, you can accomplish anything. Wow. You may not work all the time, but at least you try.
<laughs> yeah. Well, when you say the word shark, it makes me think of another area of your life that I really want to talk to you about. So I know in the past that you've hosted this thing called a veteran shark tank. And I believe that was associated with your work in GPVN, the Greater Philadelphia Veterans Network. So would you share a little bit about the heart behind that and what that's all about? Yeah, so, you know, the Veterans Shark Tank was kind of a spinoff from Greater Philadelphia Veterans Network. So Greater Philadelphia Veterans Network was based on my experience of transitioning twice to the service, active duty and reserve. I got recalled back to active duty, lost my job a week prior um, when I was sent to the Middle East and I had to look for another job again. So that that those two things really built the perfect storm of where are all the veterans? You know, so if you think about when we formed in 2011, it wasn't like today. Technology wasn't available as much as today about finding people. But also it was about the network. You know, where are veterans in different jobs and industries? And, you know, so people were being helped out of it, out of the military in transition. So we wanted to create the largest network of veterans so we could say, hey, here's veterans in IT. Here's veterans in finance or veterans in healthcare. Learn what they do. See if that's the job you want. Career objective was the number one challenge. That was it. And that's why we formed, because as as a rescue swimmer, I wasn't going to swim in the school corps of the Delaware River as a job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that I wasn't, imagine. I wanted to, you know, um, so that wasn't a translatable skill. Yeah. So so at the end of the day, that was what I saw. And I had kind of a background at Six Sigma a little bit with my previous company. So it's all process, process improvement and empowerment, accountability and self-esteem all go into a job search. Yeah, And th those things the military gives you, but when you leave the military, there's nobody giving you orders. It's very true. And when, you don't, and when you don't have orders, you wait for orders. So we formed the organization to help teach people how to construct their new plan to attack the hill for the jobs, job search, network, et cetera, and all the tools. And that's why we're called you know, our tools, your mission. So we're, we're helping people with, within that area. Um, we teach companies a lot on, the, on how to hire veterans, not the value, but how, you know, it's colleges, student veterans, um, Pennsylvania National Guard, um, you know, where they all lie. We have to teach these, vet, um, these employers and how to hire senior leaders. We just did one. And then also business owners. How do we get them to believe in their new product and service? What assets do they need? How do they grow? And that's where our Shark Tank evolved in 2012 pretty quickly is let's do a fun competition because the military is blue collar and white collar, right? So when you do a blue collar, white collar from the military standpoint, what happens is, you know, it's enlisted an officer. So in, in the regular world, companies, people only wanted to invest in technology or startup healthcare. And I said, no, there's, you know, the bread and butter of our economy is just regular jobs, regular businesses. So how can we give out a monetary prize to who has the best pitch? Didn't matter the, the product and services. So we narrowed down the field. It was great. Uh, John knew, helped me co-found it. We did it at his space um, and work, Merck and all the, those other spaces. And, you know, from there we grew it and then it became a national event. We kept growing it. So we're the start of Army Navy Week. We're the first event. It's a national event finals. It's a who's who of all the veteran leaders and logos and companies that want to support. It's a sold out audience for 300 people with five um, candidates and they have a network for life. Even wow. if they're not winners, they are winners. That is really something.
So of all the work that you've done, Alex, through GPVN and helping veterans and helping businesses, what would you say is the biggest blessing that is the founder of that and the guy that had the vision for it? What's the blessing that you've received and all the work that you've poured into that? I think I'm blessed with the people that are smarter and more dedicated to me and finding them and recruiting them. <laughs> so so that's, that, I'm, I'm blessed to, ha to have the community um, to go after more. Um, it's a community effort. It's like, you know, one army, right? Um, it, it pains me to say that, but it is one army. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, it, it, it takes a lot of people to make change in our community, to make this community a great place for veterans. So I'm truly blessed and thankful to have great uh, board directors, as, as, uh, uh, committee members, volunteers. Um, and it's not for everybody. You got to have a certain talent. And, and that's what I learned is you, if you want volunteers, you got to get the best of the best. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you also um, have work that you do at Sales Evolution. And I'm curious how you're able to translate your work with GPVN and your veteran experience to maybe serving others in a business capacity as well. That's a good question. So, you know, there's no overlap. Typically, it's just, you know, serving on one and doing the other. And my business is a little bit of the same as GPVN. So for GPVN, you know, if you think about it, you have to sell yourself as a job seeker. You have to sell yourself. There's a buyer and a seller. But most people don't realize that they think they're they're looking for a job. So it's the same. It's the same. So I, I, that's the only bleed over there is. So with our organization, it's human empowerment. It's helping people understand them, their 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 ability to be better. Just because you're good at sales doesn't mean you can't be great. Just because you're great at sales doesn't mean you can't be exceptional. So that it. means. It's, 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 it's all human behavior. So we want to be better in working out. We want to be better in our diet. And some people want to be better in business and in sales. And so what we do is do the training and coaching. It's never rocket science. It really isn't. Um, it's just self-limited beliefs, what people think. Yeah. And allow them to try new stuff, do new things, learn how to negotiate better, learn how to follow up better, learn all these time management for sales, all these things that help their businesses and individuals as well. And companies, we look for leaders. We look for leaders that want to invest in their team, just like the military does, right? So they're not there to fix sales. They're there just to make it better. Um, so in the same element, the other bleed over for how it is, is um, we look at veterans and we say the word veteran excellence. Just because you're a veteran doesn't make you excellent. <laughs> it yeah, means what, what are you doing to become better? Are you leading your company? Are you leading your division? Are you leader in the community? Are you leading better at an association? Are you so how do you become better, build better skills, become a better version of a veteran than just being than being just a normal veteran? So people don't realize they have those skills from the military. They're just got caught up in the minutia of trying to become a civilian. So it. It and so our job for GPVN is to bring out people. Um, my good friend, and I think, you know, Major General Gronsky has as as a um, saying, saying iron sharpens iron. Yep. And if we bring in the people that are succeeding well, 
with those that want to, then that's iron sharpens iron. And that's I what we it. do. With, right out of the Bible. I love it. Yeah. Right yeah. out of the proverb Proverbs uh, 27, I think, or uh, yeah. uh, one of them. So, so he's, he's, he's basically it's uh, that's why I'm a big believer in, in, it doesn't matter. You don't know those skills be around those people and then it'll rub off on how you become better. So we build that environment in our veteran community is if you want to become a better version of yourself, attend our programs, attend the veteran business referral network. We'll teach you all the skills because there's others that are doing it. doesn't matter if you have good hair, no hair or a touch of gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, we got about a minute left. So last thing I want to ask you, given all your experience and your work with all these different organizations, what advice would you give to a veteran that maybe is having difficulty with transition and is trying to figure out what they want to do when they grow up, so to speak? It's a good question. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, I say to them, hold up a mirror. And that's the only person you can point a thumb to and not a finger at. So if anything, you can only control what's in your head. You can only control what you can control. It's easy to say they didn't return a phone call. They don't want to do this. They don't. They're not veteran friendly. They are. They are. They are. So the way to succeed is really for you, for the person to take accountability of their own success. Wow. Alex, I, I love it. And I want to thank you so very much for being on the program, everything that you're doing for the community, what you're doing for veterans, and just taking the time to be on the show here today. It's my pleasure. And thanks for having me on today. It was, it was a true pleasure. Thank you, Alex. When we come back from the break, we're going to reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guest. Stay with us. We'll be right back. There's a better life. There's a better life. W223CO Atlantic City. Live from the Jacob Media Studios. It's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty, and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation on News Talk 1400 and 92.3 WOND. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and as we close out today's show, let's just think about what we've heard from our guests, Sam Kasha and Alex Archowski. Both of these gentlemen are servant leaders in the business area, in their community, in the workplace, their family. I I love everything they had to say, but just a couple of highlights, right? You heard from Sammy that he wants to invest young people, right? So when he was... uh, Growing up, he didn't want to have the mentality of nobody taught me. So he wants to be able to pass that on and make sure that people are equipped, that young people are ready and able to take that next step because he's investing in them and he's following the example and the lineage of his father and grandfather that came before him. And both gentlemen talked about this idea of encouraging people to take a leap, pointing people in the right direction. When Alex was talking about GPVN, he's talking about holding people accountable and encouraging people and giving people the tools that they have to be the ones to take that leap of faith and be ready, willing, and able to go out and take that next step, to take that step to be able to 
do sales or whatever it is, whatever line of work they're in, that they have to believe in themselves and take that next step of faith. And I really like what Alex was talking about, the mantra of when he was a rescue swimmer, so that others may live. Now, if that's not servant leadership, I don't know what is. And Alex was pretty humble about it, but he really lives that out, right? The work that he does with GPVN, the work that he did when he was in the military, and now uh, his work even in the sales position job where he's teaching other people to sell, he's doing that so that others may live their life to the fullest. And the last thing I want to point out, I love how Sammy talked about how he serves his family. This idea about finding out what your kids excel at and really pouring into that and helping them grow and develop in that. So it's the same concept that Sam and Alex have talked about during today's program is really pouring into people and helping people. And I would encourage you to do that in your business, in your community, in your family, help other people to grow and develop because it's paying it forward and it will pay dividends for our world in the future. Now, listen, each week I talk to you about this idea of when you put good into the universe, good comes back to you. And I shared with you a few times in the past that I served in the United States Army for 20 years, two months and two weeks. And, you know, we recently had Veterans Day uh, that we celebrated as a nation. And a few days after that, I got a letter from a young man and I want to read it with you, read it to you here today because it really means a lot to me. Dear Mr. McCullough. In school for Veterans Day, we have to write a letter to a veteran. As soon as I heard this, I had someone in mind. On this Veterans Day, every American and I thank you and honor you for your service to the country. You put your life on the line to ensure safety of others, and nobody can thank you enough. Thank you for your service. Thank you for everything you've done for the country. Thank you for risking your life to save everyone else. And most of all, happy Veterans Day. Sincerely, Nate Jeffrey. So listen, if that is not something that moves you and makes you feel good about patriotism and being a veteran, if you are one, I I don't know what will. So I hope that brings encouragement to you today, especially if you're a veteran and recently just celebrated Veterans Day. Listen, next week, two really special guests and in honor of the Thanksgiving that is coming up, I have Mr. James Rabick. And he is a producer of this show, Serving Our Nation, here at WOND. He's also a podcaster in his own right, and he's a band member of a group called Three Noodle Stew. My other guest is Mr. Joe Griffies, who is absolutely no stranger to radio. He is the host of the Welcome Home Show on 1020 AM, and he's also a Vietnam veteran. So I'm so looking forward to having those two gentlemen on the program next week. I also want to remind you to sign up for my Spotify and Apple podcast mailing list. And you can do that through my website at reverenddrpaul.com. That's R-E-V-D-R-Paul.com. I'd also encourage you to check out the show tab for previous episodes of this program. Finally, as you go about your week, no matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again next week. (laughs) 